missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Hello and welcome back to episode 18 of the Footy Fans Podcast. Andrew Sonato and Joe coming at you again for a new episode this week. Uh, what was it, boys? Match day what, actually? Where are we at now? I don't that know. Not, ma- I don't I know with all the, the postponed games. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm looking at the, the schedule right now, and the Brighton and Chelsea game that took place today, which we'll talk about later, was match day 24, and tomorrow is match day 17. With yeah. Leicester and Tottenham and Brentford and Man U. <laughs> yeah, kind of just all and then, the And then it jumps and the jumps to the weekend for match day 23. So technically Chelsea is like seven match days ahead of <laughs> the games tomorrow. Yeah. But also one game ahead of the games this weekend, which they do play in. Burnley yeah. is pretty far behind in games too. So is Tottenham. Match yeah. days are just all over the place. But nonetheless, they happened and happened in spectacular fashion right out of the gate yeah you could say that yeah i sent you i sent you the text uh right after uh de bruyne just came with some magic kdb and yeah i mean it was just one of those days where city you know i wouldn't say city were at their very best uh they were still really good um and i think they just really took advantage of you know a chelsea that's in a really rough patch of form in the last five games and just one of the best players in the world coming in with a piece of magic, just beating Keppa from outside the 18. It was, it was magic. Another, another amazing moment for the EPL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but uh, I feel like this year it's kind of exposing Chelsea for, you know, maybe who they actually are. Um, I said this before. I don't. I'm not sure how City didn't beat them in the Champions League. I know it feels like a lifetime ago, but um, why don't you say what you really said? <laughs> how did City lose to this team in Champions League? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, those are two very different ways to say something. <laughs> yeah, it's just strange. I mean, I mean, looking back at City, uh, it just goes to show that they're the type of team that can just close these type of games out. Um, you know, like you said, not at the very best, but. So get that one no win over Chelsea. Um, and to be honest, even though it did take a little while, uh, it felt like it was coming. At no point yeah. was I like, you know, is City going to win this game? I, you know, just felt pretty confident the whole time. You know, they're going to find a winner from somewhere. And yeah. then it was a nice goal, but I was surprisingly not surprised that they found a way to score. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like if something happened where Chelsea scored, it would have been one of the games where even Tuchel might have came out and said, that they didn't deserve to win if they just got on a break. Um, Cause yeah, it was, it was basically, I don't want to say one way traffic, but it was, it was close to it with what yeah. was happening. Right. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I'm sure Andrew's going to talk about it, but the Chelsea's got to be careful. I mean, their run of form has been terrible. Um, I know we talked about how it's going to be a crazy three horse legged race, but now Chelsea's got to look over their shoulder and be like, hope Arsenal doesn't catch careful. us. <laughs> they got to be careful that they don't get caught by someone um, and lose their top four spot because, you know, Arsenal's doing well. Tottenham's, you know, has a ton of games in hand, playing decently well. Can't get complacent here, or otherwise, it's, uh, might be set on top four spot. Yeah. So I was biting my tongue that whole time because. I was going to interject when you were talking shit and like saying things that were wrong, but I couldn't <laughs> because everything that you were saying was exactly true with the way that Chelsea's playing the last, I don't know, month and a half, almost you know, eight weeks of play. And it scares me because I feel like this is a, a regressing team. I mean, like once the whole new manager thing kind of kicked in at the beginning of 2021 with Tuchel being appointed, they got that big bump. They started playing a lot better. They obviously won champs league. Uh, they qualify for the next season of Champions League. They finished in top four. And it was kind of like they had the ball rolling a little bit. And then the first 10 weeks or so of the year, again, playing lights out, top of the table. And then we started to see the team trickle down. We started to see the other teams start to play better. We saw, you know, we saw City come into like their own season finally for the, you know, for a while because they were having a little rough time at the beginning of the year. And now the way that Chelsea's playing scares the hell out of me. Because we've seen it before. We've seen how Chelsea gets complacent. We've seen it with the the Jose Mourinho era when they weren't winning everything, where they play more defensive, they don't take chances, they don't take any risks, and they lose games one nil. Or, you know, they draw a game one one against Brighton for the second time in the last, I don't know, four or five weeks. You can't be doing this if you're a top four team. If you want to call yourself a top four team, you have to play like a top four team. And that's putting your best lineup out there to win every single game. The game against Man City, Tuchel looked at his lineup and said, who can I put out there right now to do damage control so we don't get blown out? Or who can I put out there right now that's not going to make a lot of risks in the midfield and try and attack? Because we have to defend this whole game because Man City's too good. They had nothing against, uh, against City. The best run of game, the best run of form they had in that whole game was the first five minutes of the second half. Yeah, when they actually showed some fight and showed a little bit of grit in the game. You know, the game got kind of sloppy a little bit. It's more of a midfield battle back and forth. Uh, I think Kovic just had a few runs through the middle. You know, Lukaku had that, you know, eyes wide open chance against Ederson. He made a good save, but he kind of mm-hmm. didn't take most advantage of that. But I, I we're seeing it time and time again when. Chelsea goes up against, you know, a very good competitive side. Like if they go up against Liverpool, they go up against Man City, um, you know, West Ham, or even the game today against Brighton. They go out there not to win. They go out there not to lose. Yeah. And it, it breaks my heart. It pisses me off. It makes me very upset. Because again, we've seen this all before. When you put out a lineup with Kovacic and Angola Conte and Zayic, and you have Mount on the bench, you have Havertz on the bench, Pulisic on the bench, like Jorginho, who's your basically your only creative guy in the midfield other than in Conte and Kovacic, and you put this team forward to go against Man City, you're going out there saying, just don't beat us too bad, and if we can tie, that's a win. Mm-hmm. They took no risk in the game, and it drove me nuts because even the times that they did take risk in the second half, 
they weren't getting attacked any worse than they were in the first half. Like they sat yeah. back in the first half and said, okay, guys, come at us. Like, we'll try and defend you. We'll do what we can. And they had maybe like eight scoring chances in the first half. When second half rolled around, and especially when De Bruyne scored and put them down, that bounce back and the way that they played once they were down, yes, they did a little bit more risk. Yes, they went forward a little bit more and they took some more chances. But they weren't being attacked any more than what they were when the game was at nil-nil. Yeah. Play the same way the entire game. Don't change your game plan. Don't be like, oh, now we have to come back. Of course you have to come back. You're playing as fucking Man City. Of course they're going to score against you. Of course they're going to find a way to crack you. Kevin De Bruyne does a world-class finish from a world-class player. Of course it's going to happen. Same yeah. thing happened in the first meeting when Gabriel Jesus scored from top of the box. 1-0 mm-hmm. victory. Chelsea sat back. They didn't attack. They didn't try and score. They didn't try and win. And they lost the game. Yeah. Yep. Exact same thing happened this game against uh, City, and the exact same thing happened in the game today against Brighton, as when they played them in, in uh, December. Yeah, they didn't go out there. They got the early lead in the first half. They didn't go for the kill shot. They didn't put more pressure on Brighton to score. They let Brighton take chances. They let them, you know, make their way up the field. And lo and behold, second half about thirty minutes to go, we get a goal scored against you on a on a random corner kick that happened in the game. Yeah, and then and then that was that was the rest of it. You know, they couldn't do anything else. They couldn't generate any more offense. They couldn't um, put more pressure on Brighton than what they did in the first half. Yes, it was Brighton away, which is a hard place to play. Brighton has eleven draws this season for a reason. They're a tough team to play against, especially at home. But this is the same way that they played at the Bridge in December. Yeah, against a side that they should look at and say we are better than them. We can play our big boys. We can play Lukaku. We can play Mount. We can play. Uh, Jorginho finally in this game. Uh, Hudson Odoi played this game, which is you know an attacking threat. We can play these guys. We can beat Brighton, hopefully two nil, maybe three one, and we can get out with the win and you know keep our place in the top four. Again, they come out with a draw. These are games yeah. they have to take advantage of. They have to win because the other teams, the Liverpool's, the Man City's, the West Ham's, they get these wins. The Arsenal's now, they get these kind of wins. And yeah. we're seeing it time and time again when Tuchel gets another draw, another draw, another draw. They can't put teams away when they have to. Yeah. And it's becoming an issue for this team. He thinks he's confident in his contract and he's going to stay until the end of it in 2024, I believe he said. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, that's a ballsy move. It's two years away from now. Like What the yeah. trigger finger Abramovich has, you never know when a manager's going to stay or leave. So No, yeah, it's very short-lived at Chelsea. Yeah, it's a lot of confidence in himself. <clears throat> but... uh I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's again, it's, it's kind of like a revolving door of like managers and the way that Chelsea plays. I want to see them go out with their best lineup every single week to win a game. And yeah. yes, they have some guys hurt to injury. They have, you know, Reese James and Ben Chilwell who are attacking threats on the wing, but they're getting put in there with, you know, Alonso who's been there forever. As with the Quetta who's been there forever, who know are not the same caliber of player maybe nowadays, but they know what to do. They know how to play. And then they have their youth of Hudson Odoi and Pulisic and Mount and all these other guys that just aren't performing the way they should be. And Lukaku is just a lost cause right now too. Yeah. Like his, uh, the, the, the interview he had a couple weeks ago, kind of just summed up the entire season he's had so far, like with being hurt, obviously uh, and missing a lot of time there. And then obviously coming back and doing the interview being, you know, 
put to the side by Tuchel saying, okay, we obviously have to do some damage control right now and not have you play, to now being back in the side and not performing, it's kind of just like the stars are aligning for Chelsea's season to crumble right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I was talking to my dad today, and he said, you know, Chelsea has to win this game. They talk, talk about the game against Man City. Chelsea had to win that game. City did not have to win. No. Yeah. Even if City lost that game, it's still an eight-point lead, I think. Chelsea had to win to keep pace. Obviously, that didn't happen. Today in the game against Brighton on, on Tuesday, Chelsea had to win this game to you know, just solidify their top four spot with some games at hand. They didn't do it. And now I don't know what's going to come up in the next uh, few weeks. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the points I wanted to make where it really seemed like Chelsea was giving Man City almost almost too much respect. Like, you're, you were top of the Premier League before Christmas, um, and you're going against the, the side that's basically your rivals, and you're just trying to go into the game concerned about damage control. Um, and like you said, when they started attacking, not a whole lot changed. They were just looking more threatening. They didn't look that much more exposed. Exactly, yes. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean... I, I always hated to see top teams uh, sit back like that. The it, it's kind of like the one time when uh, back when Fabregas and Hazard were on Chelsea, and I think uh, uh, I don't know if it was Mourinho or Conte who was coaching. I want to say was, I think it was probably Conte when it was literally a Chelsea parked the bus. That's what makes me think it was Mourinho against City, and it was just yeah. embarrassing. It's like what? How are you watching Chelsea right now? Parked the bus against City and. With the quality of players you have, it's it's never a situation you want to find yourself in. And that's what I mean. They're not... A, they're, maybe the Man City, yeah, they're a second... I don't even want to say second tier. They're a lower end side if you want to come here to Man City because Man City is a top three club in the entire world right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, Bayern Munich, Man City. I don't know. Maybe PSG. Depends maybe PSG just with the maybe. players they have. Not uh you know, there's less than five teams mm-hmm. that are you can count you can count as like the world best or Europe's best right now. So obviously you have to change the way you play a little bit against Man City. I understand that completely, but it's not Man City versus Norwich, where you have to sit back and defend and you're never going to have a chance. Oh, you might you know lose, but you're only going to lose five one. You're Chelsea. Mm-hmm. You have world class players. You have a world class budget on your on your back. You have a world-class manager who's won Champions League. You, you should be able to play and look competitive in, in the game against Man City. Whenever mm. Liverpool plays Man City, it's an evenly matched game. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. you obviously want to see one side win just for the entertainment aspect. But a 1-1 or a 0-0 draw with Liverpool and Man City, that's an entertaining match. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you're not going to be entertained. Yeah, because it's going to be running gun from both sides. Yes, you know, Man City plays their their build up play and they want to, you know, you know, do the tiki taka around the box and then Liverpool kind of counters and moves quickly. So there's a lot of contrast in how they play. But it's an entertaining game throughout. That game against the game on on uh was it Saturday? Sunday. Saturday game on Saturday was boring to watch. Until De Bruyne made his highlight, <laughs> highlight real goal. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing, too. That's the thing, too. I remember saying, like, if you're going to lose, you lose like that. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've been a big, you know, uh, I don't know, Kepa's been an antagonist 
in my life since mm-hmm. he's basically joined the joined the squad. But you know, with Mendy away uh, for Senegal, I believe in the Africa Cup of Nations, um, Kepa obviously had to step up, and he's he's done a, a pretty good job um, mm-hmm. since he's been in in the first team there. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he's done pretty well. Yeah, since people break in. down the goal. Yeah, people break down the goal against De Bruyne. He maybe like leaned to the one side too quickly, and he didn't have enough time to cover. I don't know. You can break down every single little play, but uh, he's actually done a pretty good job since he's been in there. But still, that's no excuse for how they should be playing, though. Oh, our second string keeper is playing, so we yeah. lost what we lost, kind of thing. Yeah. It was from the outset. It was the strategy and the game plan that Tuchel put forth, and I I can't blame the players too too much because they just went out there and played. They did what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't take many risks because they probably were told not to, or yeah. they had the players put in there that weren't risk taking players. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you can count on uh, on Conte. You can count on Kovacic for the most part. Uh, I think Alonso had a terrible match um, on the on the as a left back there. I think Malang Sar played pretty well. Um, he's kind of had to step in there a little bit with Christensen being out due to injury and due to COVID. But again, he's not a risk taking player. Like he's going to just defend because that's what he has to do. And he's kind of probably scared to maybe take any risks. Yeah, especially when you're going up against uh, whoever you could have on the wing at any point. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, right? the, the poaching the poaching attack of Man City, you can't really take many risks out there. So it's kind of just yeah. get the ball cleared out as fast as you can. But, you know, I mean, they, they did what they had to do to, to draw against that, against that team. There was no more that they could have done to win. Um, I, I, it's just disappointing. It's, it's hard to watch. And, again, it all comes full circle at the game today against Brighton. They didn't put them away. They didn't push forward. They didn't attack as well as they should have. Uh, they weren't clinical, and um, it's another game that kind of comes back to bite them in the ass. They have eight draws this season so far. I think Bright, Brighton has 11. I think there's two other clubs that have nine, and then it's Chelsea. Yeah. You, yeah. Turn, you turn eight of those into five, and you put in three more wins, and you're one point behind City. Simple math. That could be wrong. I didn't check the table. I think it's but <laughs> maybe it's two points behind City. I don't know. It's pretty close, though. It's pretty close. Uh, and, and again, it's not draws against West Ham and a draw against City and a draw against United. It's, you know, it's Brighton. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's a Burnley. It's actually two against Brighton. Uh, it's a Burnley draw. Uh, they do have one Liverpool draw. And I believe, what's another stinker that they got? Watford? They drew against Watford. Yeah. So, I mean, you turn three of those into wins. Three or four, maybe. Yeah. And you're right, you're right there neck and neck with City. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's similar. I mean, we talked about it with City. It's like, oh, is um, not having a striker going to prevent them from turning those draws into, into wins? And it looks like now Chelsea's having that problem with two strikers. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it's very strange. Ever since... <laughs> I don't know what happened with Lukaku, but ever since that, it's felt like there's been some kind of dark cloud hanging over the club. And I don't know what has to change for them to get back on track, but they, I've heard it a million times before. No team slides uh, faster than a million miles and Chelsea does <laughs> down the table. Yeah. When they're bad, they're bad. Yeah. Like when, when it's in- going, when it, it's going bad, yeah. there's no like emergency break that someone could put on the club. No. <laughs> it's like they slide down, Abramovich gets pissed, fires the manager, and it's just like, yeah, you're in, from so Champions League winners to rebuilding season. It's zero to. I wouldn't go as far as rebuilding season, but 
I mean, it didn't it happen know. with um, like happened with Conte the first year he won the league, and then I think the next next year, year he was gone. He was gone. Yeah. So it always happens. Chelsea just finds a way to when slide, when they get yeah slide down when they get in a funk, they go to Funky Town. Yeah. And that's not a place you want to be in the EPL. You don't want to be in Funky Town. No. Um, and they go right to it. You do yeah. not want to be in Funky Town. <laughs> don't take me to Funky Town. <laughs> What's that from? That's actually from Shrek. <laughs> Shrek 2. <laughs> Shrek it's like two. the int- it's like when they go to uh whatever whatever far, far away. That was called. It's supposed to be like Hollywood. It's like I think it's called Far, Far Away. It's where like Fiona's from. That that song's playing in the background. Take me to Funky Town. No, I don't remember that. At all. I don't Come remember on. Shrek Two. I mean, Shrek Two. Shrek Two. I don't even think I've seen Shrek Two. I think we have. I'm pretty sure we, we have to have. Is that with um? Is that with Farquaad? Farquaad's number one. Shrek I don't Two. Think we've seen so, Shrek Two. Shrek 2, like they're already, they get married at the end of Shrek 1. And then they have to go like meet Fiona's parents or something. And they live in, I think it's called Far, Far Away. It's like the town or the, the city. And it's supposed to be the same thing as like LA, but like Hollywood. It's really funny. Yeah. Isn't that Definitely where, um, that. that's where uh, Shrek finds a spell that turns him into a guy? Human. Yeah. 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 Yep. And then uh, Fiona tells him, like, no, I love you as an ogre. Yeah, it's like a fairy godmother and like yeah. uh, Julie Andrews is her mom. Mm-hmm. Mary Poppins, what's up? Yeah, we've seen it. Oh, yeah. I have. You have to see it. Yeah, no, you don't. If Joe saw that, you saw it. Yeah, right. no, there's a good watched... chance if Joe saw it, I haven't seen it. <laughs> no I, I wa- no, this is like 15, no, probably more like 20 years ago. What? Maybe like uh, it's it's when probably, we were kids and watched all the same movies, not recently. This is probably 2005. Oh. So this has got to be like, this has got to be between 04 to 06. Yes, like 15 years ago. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Puss in Boots is in this one. Yeah. That's okay. where Puss in Boots shows up. The cat. Me, I don't know. I don't remember this at all. Played by Latin legend Antonio Banderas. Yes. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, if you're Chelsea, I guess you do not want to go to Funky Town with Shrek. <laughs> no, you don't. That's, that's the end of the story. You don't want to go to Funky Town with Chelsea because the Funky Town is not the kind of Funky Town that we want to go to. No. They get into funk. They don't get out of it. And um, I mean, it's just kind of... It's like I mean, it's how their season's going. You look at the, you know, the EPL table on the website here, just for EPL.com. They show like the last five matches, like how they've done basically. Oh, terrible run of form. And it's been a win. I forget who they actually beat, but it's been a win, and then two draws, a loss, another draw. And they have Tottenham coming up this weekend, who they've played twice in the last week in the EFL Cup. Um, two convincing wins. Which I mean, that's good and all, but you're, it's the EFL Cup. Like players take off time in, mm-hmm. in the EFL Cup, and I mean Chelsea was dominant in those games, but the Tottenham now. I mean, even with Antonio Conte being there, it's kind of a rebuilding side. I'd stay a little bit still. Like they're trying to find their feet a little bit. Um, I mean, a win's a win. You take it anywhere you got, anywhere you can get it. But mm-hmm. what matters for Chelsea, and what always will matter, is the league and Champions League. Yeah. You know, you can win the EFL Cup all you want. You can win the Community Shield all you want. FA Cup's a little bit bigger. We talked about it last week. Um, how it, it it's kind of like lost its um, lost its luster, lackluster, yeah. lost, lost its prestige, lost, lost its, its prestige, lost, lost the appeal of of yeah. winning it. But it's still, you know, the 
third biggest trophy you can win. No, second biggest trophy you can win in England, but like overall, probably the fourth biggest trophy you can win, like as an English side, um, behind like Champions League and all that kind of stuff in Europa League. But, um, I mean, that's yeah, like I said, a win's a win against Tottenham, but in, in the league, you have a win, three draws, and a loss in your last five. And it's draws against Watford, it's draws against Brighton, shitty loss against Man City. And it's games that they should have won or just been more competitive in. And it just it just looks bad on the team. Mm-hmm. And you look yeah. at Man City's runner form, five straight wins. Arsenal's runner form, four wins and a loss. Like, even Tottenham's got three wins in the last five. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard to see all those grayed out circles representing draws against teams that you should be beating up on. Yeah. Like a club, I mean, like, like, a club like Chelsea is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to get really bad to a point where Tuchel's job is in jeopardy just because of everything he's done, unless it gets really, really bad. If they What if they just... drop out of the top four? I, I Arsenal, Arsenal, has think... three, Arsenal has three games to play. Arsenal's got three games in hand to Chelsea. Yeah. Let's just hypothetically say those are wins. They're tied on points. Yeah. For third place. West Ham has one, uh, one game in play. They win that game. It will be Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal tied on 44 points. And then West Ham only four points back with another 13 games to play still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even you look at that's Tottenham. Not, that's not out of the yeah, and Tottenham too. Tottenham's that's not out of the realm. <laughs> yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, Tottenham wins out five games, they're in forty-eight points. Math, yeah, <laughs> they're second place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Math, yes, <laughs> they're they're second place. So yeah. that bumps Chelsea out again. Another level, another step down. They have to figure something out in these next few weeks. Um, especially with Champions League coming up in February, they're going to have to like get together and say, boys, we got to figure out what's going on. And we have to address this. We have to fix this. Whatever it is, it could be in-house. It could be people leaking information out to transfer rumors. It could be Tuchel behind the scenes, not running the team well. Whatever it is, they got to crack down on what's happening behind closed doors at Stanford Bridge and at Cobham, like where they practice, mm-hmm. and sort it out. Because... Yeah. They are playing like shit. Yeah. And it's noticeable. It's noticeable. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously with the firing of Rafa Benitez, I think once any manager gets fired, it's always on the back of your mind. Like, oh, who's next type thing. I don't think Tuchel is going to be in that situation. Uh, But we'll have to see. I mean, it would be interesting to see Arsenal make a comeback and tie Chelsea on points, seeing as if they were at the bottom of the table and we were razzing on Arsenal for the first month. (laughs) Don't want to see that. Of uh, of the year, um, that'd be yeah, only time will tell. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really story. what's that <laughs> rise of Phoenix story? Just the point where Arsenal goes above Chelsea. Yeah. Legit. Like, oh, match week four, Chelsea in first, Arsenal last. Match week whatever twenty seven, Arsenal third, or Chelsea four, Chelsea you know. five. Yeah, who knows? Gross. No, back to uh, the big news on Rafa Benitez. He's out yeah. as manager. Sad to see him go. I've always liked the guy um, as a manager, uh, but he just could not figure it out. And they had, you know, a really bad run of form. Yeah. And uh, it was just time time to part ways. 
uh, you know, three, three losses in your last five games and they're sitting 16th. Joe said they're going to get relegated. <laughs> I don't probably I don't 30% act serious. I, I love it. I, you know what we should do? We should turn our, our looks or we should turn our viewpoint onto the relegation battle instead of the top three battle, top four battle. Yeah, as, long as, as long as Chelsea's oh, yeah. doing bad, I don't think Andrew wants to focus there. I mean, yeah. I don't even want to look at the top four. I'm going to like, I'm going to minimize my screen only to the bottom 14 teams and just keep it that way forever. <laughs> and not even check, not check the standings. Don't check where Chelsea is. I'm just going to be ex, uh, um, asphyxiated ex, 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 on the bottom part of the table. Yeah. But no, I mean, why not? Ever, why not? Everton's More competitive. Still, it's closer. Still, still sitting fairly uh, safe, um, relatively safe compared to um, some other teams. You know, sitting on 19 points and 16th. Uh, Watford have 14 points just outside the relegation. Norwich at 13, Newcastle at 12, and Burnley at 11. Uh, Burnley obviously have only played 17 games, so uh, they just need a few of those to be wins. Well, obviously, easier said than done. But Newcastle heartbreaking against Watford. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you know, they had the lead for uh, most of the game. You know, say maximum just coming up with a uh, stellar goal, um, solo goal. And then Watford just getting an equalizer late in the game and tying it and keeps Newcastle in the relegation zone and Watford just outside. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe for Watford, their next, including that match, they're three matches are against teams in the relegation zone below them. I yep. believe. Uh, yeah. The next game said, is against Norwich. Yeah. I think that's in the broadcast and then the next, and then the one after that's against Burnley. So, I mean, just for Wofford's standpoint, I mean, this is your season, right? Yeah. Uh, not the place you want to be, obviously, but you got to win these three games or you got to be competitive in these three games, especially uh, more than anywhere else. But as far as Newcastle, yeah, I turned I tuned into this one just to see the new signings, um, you know, play their first Premier League matches. Uh, Kieran Trippier made his debut earlier in the week in the FA uh, Cup match against Cambridge, where they actually ended up losing. But Chris Wood signing from Burnley for thirty-three million dollars, or pounds? I don't know, actually, it's dollars or pounds. Um, still a big transfer, um, money-wise, from from Burnley to Newcastle, and. This is just kind of like the white flag from Burnley getting waved in the air saying, okay, we're done for this season because why would they trade away their, their biggest goal-scoring asset to a competitive relegation battle team? So I think they're kind of waving mm-hmm. the white flag saying, we're probably done for this season. <laughs> we want to make our money as fast as we can before we get relegated and try and yeah. have something going forward. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst strategy, but to your fan base and to your players, it's kind of saying like, okay, boys, we're done. <laughs> uh, we're about to offload all of our assets. Yeah. And we're gonna try and get next year. Yeah, that's uh, worst I mean, scenario could be in as a as a pro, right? They have a lot of games yeah. in hand. <laughs> they but. they do, but like I said, like Chris Wood has been around for a while. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, there's not much attacking threat in the Burnley camp. Yeah. And Chris Wood like was kind of like their one shining, you know, shining star. Like Thirty three million pounds. I mean, Newcastle has the money to pay that, but I don't think that's anything to slow chat. I mean, he's he's a good player. He's in, I think he's in his 30s now or 29 or something. So he's getting up there in age, but uh, he's just a big body. Like he's a big mm-hmm. strapping guy. Um, kind of the player that I think would thrive at Newcastle because they do have a lot of good wing play with Jolington 
and uh, Frazier on the wings and St. Maximin. So I think they're able to, you know, use their pace on the wings and send the ball into the middle. They just never had a body to send the ball into. And I think with Chris Wood being as big as he is and as aggressive as he is, he might be a guy that can kind of get in there and get some scrappy goals. I mean, you saw it firsthand in the game against uh, Watford. I think he won like five or six headers um, in the 18 that ended up being kind of goal-scoring chances. Maybe they didn't get on net, but it's, you know, more scoring chances that they would have had if someone else would have been there instead. Yeah. It just adds a different dynamic to the team. You know what I mean? Kind of like with Man City. I don't want to bring everything back to Man City and how good they are. Ooh, Man City. <laughs> but if you... Just salty. <laughs> just yeah. salty. Back to the top four. I'm just saying, if you were to put um, a Chris... I mean, obviously not Chris Wood, but if you were to put a body type like Chris Wood in to Man City, that's just a, that's just a completely different attacking threat than what mm. they had. I'm not even sure who was technically the number nine at Newcastle beforehand. I can't really think about it. Um, but it just adds a different a different dynamic to the team, right? Like with when Chelsea brought Lukaku in, it brought in that big body threat. It brought in the guy that's going to win headers for them. Last year they had Timo Werner there or like Kai Havertz or Mason Mount. It's just not the same kind of attacking yeah. um, you know, presence. So I think with that in mind, Newcastle said, okay, we got Kieran Trippier. We're going to shore up our wing. We brought in... Uh, Chris Wood, you know, this is a big attacking threat for us. Maybe they might get somebody else in the midfield um, going forward in the last couple of weeks of the transfer season. Um, I don't know. It just shows that they're they're here to to try and do what I've been saying they're going to do. Basically, in January, they're going to yeah, spend but, money, they're going to spend big, and they're going to try and you know stay up. Yeah, of course. Just so you can get that Newcastle jersey. <laughs> I'll get it, man. I, it looks like Juve, so like I can't complain too much. Like. I'm not going to wear it out anywhere, but I'll just maybe put it behind me here or something. Hang uh, it up. Recordings. Yeah, yeah, I'll hang it up. Um, yeah. I, honestly, when, when I was seeing kind of how the game was unfolding, it really looked like they, they were missing a center back. Um, yeah. Not sure who they can bring in, but they, they really need to just solidify the center of the park uh, just from, you know, even on the Wofford goal, just, you know, someone wins a header in your box in the late in the game. Um, you know, it happens, but having a big body there, that's going to be able to clean that stuff up. Just in this case makes all the difference between staying up and getting relegated. Mm -hmm. So we'll see who else uh, they can bring in. Um, Mm -hmm. this is probably the most important transfer season in Newcastle's history, uh, depending on how the future unfolds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no way they got bought earlier this year with the intention of going down. So no, they're going to do everything they can to stay up, obviously. Um, what if they would have fired... <laughs> what if they would have fired Steve Bruce and then brought Rafa Benitez back to Newcastle again? Because he was there when, they, when he was... Did he, did he relegate with them? Did, he, did they go down with Benitez? I'm not, let me check. And Not then that's sure. what brought Steve Bruce in, and then they came back again? Want to say yes? Because if you're Rafa Benitez, you've been around. You have. And it's, okay, so this is a weird thing. It's like, if you're a manager, and you're, you're put on this pedestal of being like a world-class or like a top manager, which Benitez was at Liverpool, and he was at Inter when he was there. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he's not at Liverpool and at Inter anymore. 
Yeah. So how do these guys keep getting jobs? Well, but that's the thing. It's so uh, weird. Like, you know, he, he has, he has history with, you know, some clubs, fair amount of clubs in the EPL. So now, yeah, you know, he, he has had some success. So, you know, obviously if you're a massive club, you're probably not looking to hire him, but you know, team like Everton at the time, um, and maybe a mid to lower, uh, tier club in the EPL, I can see them hiring him, you know, if, uh, you know, God forbid Newcastle needs to make a change. I could see him going there. Uh, I don't think that is going to happen, but yeah. yeah. No, I was just, I was just being goofy. Like obviously the Eddie Howe signing, I think was a good, a good job for them. It's just Benitez was at the top of his game in 2005 when Liverpool won Champions League against Man City or against um, AC Milan. Sorry. Yeah. 2005 was 17 years ago now. So the game mm-hmm. has changed drastically. Yeah. And he has, like I said, he's been around Europe with multiple teams in that time period. So I think when he got appointed to Everton, they weren't expecting, oh, he did really well at Liverpool 15 years ago. He's going to do really well for us now too. I don't think he was, you know, the, the top guy on their list to sign. Mm-hmm. Like obviously the big name, it's kind of flashy. It could show the, show the fans, oh, you know, this guy was down the road basically from Goodison Park for the longest period of time kicking our asses. And now he's here. He's going to be our savior. That could kind of be like the sales pitch from the Everton Brass, but I don't think it's like I, I think when he got appointed, it was kind of like almost like the the Nuno signing to Tottenham. It was kind of like maybe we we bring this guy in. He's got a big name. He's doing well recently, but he might not be the guy to stay because when he showed up there, nothing really clicked for Everton. No, like from the minute he got there, it was kind of like okay, he's here now, but like what are we gonna do? Like what's our what's our team philosophy? Like, how are we going to be better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, they're the same Everton that we had with Ancelotti basically. I mean, a little yeah. well, worse off now, worse. Clearly, but they, but they weren't like a competitive side. Like, like, and, and Ancelotti was not going to stay. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, since, since 2016, when Roberto Martinez left the team, they've had four managers that have been sacked. Yeah. In, in a six-year time period between Ronald Koeman, Sam Alderdice, Marco Silva, and now Rafa Benitez. I mean, those are, well, those are good managers. Yeah, yeah. That's I a mean, really solid manager lineup to yeah, I think, I think Yeah, I think Big Sam was there to kind of just you know, float the boat a little bit and kind of have them yeah. keep up. I mean, Ronald Koeman got the Barcelona job. Marco Silva had the Watford job, I believe, for, for a stint until he left, until he was sacked, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Rafa and then obviously Carlo and Totti kind of left on his own accord but I mean what's going on at, at Everton it's just I think one of those things where a team just gets into crisis mode and um, just misery loves company type thing yeah. where I mean, you know, bad just gets worse you have players yeah. underperforming not working out with the managers fans aren't happy and you just need something to change uh, manager, you know, we've said it a million times, changing the manager is the easiest and quickest change you can make. Right. Yeah. Doesn't always work out and kind of leads to a downward spiral. So it's, you know, now it's going to be a manager change and hopefully they can figure out how they're going to proceed from there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. 
Well, I was just going to say, um, I think they just held on to the romantic idea of Rafa Benitez longer than they should have. Because even when he was there, I was like, how is Everton doing this bad with that kind of manager? And plus the players they have, especially now. I think they just held on. I think, what, they had five losses in a row at one point in the season, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he was still yeah. around and they were sliding further down the table. And, you know, like you said, a loss to Norwich was the final nail in the coffin. Um, Should have happened a little while ago because now they're looking at a relegation scrap. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think they'll get relegated. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, you know, never know. But I do think they should bring, be able to bring in someone decently well. And with the players they have, they should stay up. So. Yeah, and it's kind of comparable to like the Burnley thing I just said with waving the white flag a little bit. For them to go out and you know offload a player like Luka Digne to Aston Villa, who's yeah. been you know a pretty solid player for them in the last couple of seasons at Everton, it's kind of saying like, why would you get rid of this guy now when he's still like you know he's not an old player, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a good player. He's I think he's made some international um, debuts. I think for France or Spain. I'm not sure exactly where he's from. Um. I was like, why would you offer this player to a fellow EPL team, yeah. a Premier League, mm. Premier League side, when he's been basically, you know, in the team on the starting eleven for for years now? It just yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, it, it almost looks like, you know, like are they trying to play Everton as a business as opposed to actually a competitive team? Uh, there was a piece written in the Guardian by Jonathan Wilson saying that since the ownership has arrived, it's uh, Farhad Moshiri is the new owner of Everton. I'm not sure exactly what his background is and like where the money comes from, but um, since he arrived in 2016, they have spent a little over 200 million pounds in six years on transfers. And as far as the players goes, they had the seventh highest wage bill amongst EPL sides. So they're not making big splash in the transfer market, but they're paying their guys a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that does not equate to... You know a pretty successful business strategy or you know a, a mm-hmm. good team because they're not playing like the seventh highest no wage side in the premier league they're not playing if you look at as like okay the seventh highest wage side they should be in seventh place possibly that's the way you look at it they are so far from that mm-hmm. and yes injuries of course take place but every single side gets injuries every side has been affected by covid the last two seasons and they still found ways to win everton's like a little outlier where, you know, they have Liverpool down the road who have been, you know, a top four side for as long as we can remember. And they're just kind of the little brother. And like, yeah. we just want to get a crack at it. We just like, we're right here too. We can play well. We know we can play well. We want to be as big side as Liverpool is, but either ownership doesn't want to give in or, you know, whoever else can like run the team, the the caretaker, or not the caretaker, the um, like board of directors and everything. They don't want to just like, make those big like lunges, make those big transfer splashes, whatever the case is, Everton is just always like second field to Liverpool. And that's just got to eat away at the, uh, at the fan base. Yeah. Oh yeah. If I'm, if I'm an Everton fan right now, I'm, uh, I'm really worried about what the future is going to hold. Shout out yeah. YouTube wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our YouTube <laughs> guy, <laughs> big Everton fan. He is sweating right now and probably agreeing with everything we're saying. I mean, he'll know firsthand if we're being if we're being jackasses and talking out of our butts, then he'll be the first one to tell us, probably. Yeah, he's he's repeatedly said, uh, "Yeah, Everton's struggling right now, and I'm worried for the next game." <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. They should be. I'm, yeah, I mean, the well, we'll get off on this with the last thing about Everton. Um, 
the the rumors and the discussions of the new manager coming in. We're getting Frank Lampard's name tossed around. We're getting Wayne Rooney's return to Everton, possibly. You know, he's been at Derby County and in the championship division. Uh, I mean, Derby County is their own story with what's going on there with uh, their um, mm-hmm. their sanctions and have everything happening. But I mean, sanctions aside, he's done a decent job at Derby County. And then also the, rep- the return of Roberto Martinez from the Belgian national team is mm-hmm. another discussion um, in the Everton side. Yeah. Uh, that decision will probably be made in the next couple of days. I think their next match is Saturday. Um, let me just double check that. I feel like it's Saturday. I'm not sure if they'll have a decision made um, before then. Uh, Saturday, yeah. Saturday morning, yeah. yeah so I'm not sure if a decision... Villa. Yeah, against Villa. So I'm not sure if a, if a decision would get made before that. Um, it might just be like, you know, a caretaker kind of takes over um, until then. But I, I also read that the entire staff basically under Rafa Benitez is just gone. Oh geez. Like oh, there's yeah. like there's like five or six other staff members, like you know, assistant coach, um, like athletic trainer or something, and medical whatever, just gone. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of doing like a big overhaul at Everton with this Rafa Benitez um, firing, and hopefully that changes the culture of the team for a positive uh, in a positive way. But I mean, it'll remain to be seen with with yeah. uh, with Everton. Yeah. yeah, best of luck to Everton though. Yeah, <laughs> why don't you stay up? I want Everton and Newcastle to stay up. That'd be heartbreaking. Two historic clubs. So with Everton having their next match against Aston Villa on the weekend on on Saturday, I mean, just from Aston Villa's standpoint, what a huge game yeah. against Man United. Like, I think obviously they didn't get the win, but to them at home like that, I think it was almost as big as a win. With mm. obviously the Coutinho signing and like his, him making his debut. Um, who else? Did I have another signing? I blanking. Um, oh, Dine, uh, Dine. Yeah, Dine. Yeah, he. Yeah, Dine actually started. I'm surprised Coutinho didn't actually start this match, mm-hmm. um, being as big as it is. But either way, the impact he had, mm-hmm. he came on was yeah. stuff of legend. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're outside already. You know, hanging up some <laughs> banner or carving a statue of Coutinho. Mm-hmm. You know, at the front gates of the of of Villa Park. As yeah. we speak right now, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, tough for Menu, you know, getting another really poor result uh, from their standpoint, sitting in seventh, um, thirty-two points, looking less and less likely that they're going to break into the top four, and it's because they're getting these draws. I mean, no disrespect to Aston Villa, but yeah, sitting in thirteenth, um, being two down coming back and tying 2-2 at home like you said it feels like a win you can tell the players were super pumped and yeah Coutinho coming off the bench being involved in uh the first goal and then scoring the second just dream dream start for him Mm -hmm. and especially it's good for him because I think with a player like that the longer you go without making him an impact uh the more it weighs on you uh you know he's one of those players where I feel like it would so the fact that he had that kind of an impact um, I feel like it's a lot of weight off his shoulders. Um, you know, just getting that out of the way early really helps, you know, helps the fans relax. Like, Oh, like when's this guy going to show up? You know, um, oh, so. took 20 minutes. Yeah. It took, not even, <laughs> not even 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes off coming off the bench. Yeah. So that'll be huge. That's going to be huge for his confidence. And uh, like Andrew said in the last pod, he's the kind of player that makes the whole team play better. So, you know, that'll give them the boost they need. I know they're, They've been doing pretty decent under Gerard. 
Um, you know, not the best run of form lately, but you know, with what they're building at Aston Villa, you know, next season, I could see them being easily a top 10 side if they stick with, you know, signing guys like Coutinho, maybe a couple other players, but you know, so far so good for them. Yeah. Like when Dean Smith got, got sacked, they were in, you know, the worst run of form basically in the league. I think there were like five or six uh, losses in a row headed right towards that relegation zone. And then with Jared coming in and being able to just kind of calm the team down and like just stir them up a little bit. I mean, that's all he was basically brought in to do for this portion of the season. And now you see, you know, the next steps of the plan, which not every club has. Mm-hmm. That's where you have to kind of give credit. I'm not sure exactly who's running, you know, running the things behind the scenes and like pulling the strings for, for Villa. But Villa is a, it's a gritty side, you know, like they're from the Midlands, you know, Kelly's family is like from that area, hardworking people, center of the country, just like shitty people, basically. Like they just have nothing <laughs> really going for them. But they have, mm-hmm. they have, they have football. They have, you know, they got Leicester, they got Wolverhampton, they got Villa, they got Birmingham. All these, all these teams in the area. This, this move of getting Jared was for the fans. Mm-hmm. Like clearly, Jared's path is kind of set to, you know, go to Liverpool once Klopp is gone, possibly. <laughs> we don't know and but, everyone starts to cry <laughs> oh yeah for sure but yeah. by, by getting a manager like like jared i'm coming off his success at rangers in the in the scottish premier league huge right huge signing for them and it would mm-hmm. jared left like mid-season by the way which is kind of crazy he just said okay like, I, got, I got a better gig going on right now i'm just gonna leave like halfway through the year even though we're in like first place <laughs> um i'll probably still finish first anyway uh, it's kind of funny though <laughs> but uh he's like i gotta get out of here um but you know it, that was a huge signing for them just to get jared there and i mean it's a step up obviously from dean smith you don't see that very often where it's a side gets you know, it's a terrible run of form and then you bring in a better coach than what you just had or manager sorry than what you just had usually it's like oh shit we're falling towards relegation bring in sam alderdice bring in Steve Bruce, you know, bring in somebody who's just going to try and keep us afloat. They brought in a youthful, young, new wave, you know, manager in Steven Gerrard and already having a young side that they have at Villa and bringing in a world-class player like Coutinho. It's almost like nothing but up in their trajectory for the next, you know, a couple mm-hmm. seasons to come. I believe, yeah. I think, I think we're all on the same boat that they're going to stay afloat. They're going to stay up in the Premier League this season. They're not going to get relegated. So Jared kind of did his job as what he was brought in to do this year. And I mean, sky's the limit for what Villa can do in the next mm-hmm. couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the, uh, seen the rumors? Which with, ones now? With a certain Suarez. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> that Suarez would be a to Villa. Who knows? I mean, no, there's no other league that loves to, to create oh rumors. That the I, I, so I have the, um, the one football app on my phone. It's just called One Football. Uh, they sponsor a few other YouTubers that I've seen. Mm-hmm. They have one of the most outrageous mm-hmm. transfer rumor mm-hmm. like posts I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, Kevin like, De Bruyne to Chelsea. <laughs> you know, yeah. something crazy. It's just craziest like, stuff ever. About? Like I'll I'll just hit transfers right now and just see like what the first couple that come up. Adama Traore actually from Wolves to Tottenham is yeah. getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, I can see that. So this right here, John McGinn from Aston Villa to Manchester United. I don't Man, know he's not going to sign John McGinn. 
I don't know who that is. Like he's he's a he's a at Villa. He's kind of like, hmm. who would he be like? He's he's kind of like a scrappy. Oh my God, he's like my boy. He's like um, Bowen from oh, from West okay. Ham. Yeah. Same kind of player. He just kind of like shows up the midfield, just runs around, will run his ass off. Kind of like a Shakiri, but not yeah. as skillful. But just like mm-hmm. a stocky little guy. Uh, good player. He might actually do well at United. To be honest, that's kind of like the kind of player that they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Usman Dembele from Barcelona to Juventus. Usman Dembele from Barcelona to Manchester United. Martial to to Juve. Phil Jones to Newcastle. That that Phil actually seems I could actually barely see possible. Phil Jones to Burnley. Uh, Roberto Firmino to Barcelona. I can see that. Um, Andreas Christensen from Chelsea to Bayern Munich. Probably not. Like it's just outrageous no. things. Like <laughs> Giorgio Wijnaldum, Giorgio Wijnaldum from PSG to to Arsenal. Like they're just funny. Paul Pogba to PSG. Okay, whatever. Yuri yeah. Tielemans from Leicester to Arsenal. Like it's just it's nonstop, <laughs> and it's just rumor. Like I said, rumor, rumor, rumor. We should make our own app and just start yeah. pulling teams just out of our ass. Just like doing crazy stuff. Some of those seem legit. Um, like just spin a wheel. Like just could, like spin a wheel and find a player. Spin a wheel yeah. and find another find team. team. And then f- try and find some just And then just post it. it. <laughs> post it. I mean, I could see it. I guess he's like Suarez has rejected offers from um, uh, from Aston for um, Atletico Madrid. And, you know, be, reuniting with Stevie G and uh, Coutinho, I mean, it does seem pretty plausible. We'll have to see. That would be wild. I mean, it, yeah. obviously, from our standpoint, we would love to see it, like, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, Suarez is still kind of on my shit list for what he did against Italy, uh, yeah. I don't know, eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he bit Giorgio Collini and no one cared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before VAR. Oh, God. VAR would have had a field day with that. Yeah. Ooh, Luka Modric to Man City. I've seen that for a while. I I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. Doesn't seem you can, completely far fetched. I just don't. I don't know don't why see Real fitting would, in somewhere with. I don't City know why right he now. would. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why he would leave uh, Madrid, and I'm not sure no. if he's the type of player City needs right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have De Bruyne, Gundogan. Uh, Bernardo Silva. Silva. Yeah, it wouldn't really fit. Yeah, why yeah. would Modric go there? Yeah, for Kepa going to Lazio three weeks ago, I would have said, "I'll pay the, I'll pay for his flight to to Rome." But now it's like, "Hey, slow your brakes on Kepa. Maybe we kind of need him a little bit longer." <laughs> yeah, he's doing well. Oh god, how the tables have turned. Yeah, right, like I said, he's he's actually played pretty well. I can't I can't blame him for what has been going on. Last season, yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. The whole team was in shambles. Um, I think we'll just end off on on some predictions for, for Everton for the gig. I think I think Lampard would do a good job at Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has to have... So I think with Chelsea and Lampard, he didn't have a short leash at all. Mm-hmm. Well, he did have a short... How does it work? He's under a lot of pressure. Like when yeah. he got it on that Chelsea, short, I think that's a short leash. He had a short leash at Chelsea. I think that means yeah. under a lot of pressure. Okay, yeah, he had a short leash at Chelsea, and I think when he had the um, the Derby job, was he at Derby? Was there was he? I'm not sure. Yeah, he had Derby County before Rooney. Was he at Derby County? 
Stevie G, Derby County. No, Lampard in Derby County. Yeah, he was. When he was there, he had a long leash because they didn't really expect anything. Like he was kind of just trying to get his feet wet in the whole manager managerial role. And then when he got to Chelsea, it's like, okay, now you have to perform or you're gone. So I think yeah. if Lampard gets the Everton job, number one goal, clearly stay stay above relegation. But mm-hmm. now you've got a team that you can work with. Yeah. Um, kind of the same mindset that Villa has with Gerard, younger manager, newer way of thinking. It's not Rafa Benitez. It's not some older manager that's been around the block a billion times and who's probably very stubborn and does not want to change his mindset. At Everton, he could probably, you know, work with some players a little bit. I mean, he's done very well with developing players. Let's just say that. Like the the mm-hmm. the core players that Chelsea has now, with the youth especially, because in the transfer market, they didn't really bring much youth in other than like Pulisic um, mm-hmm. last season. I mean, like Hudson Odoi, Reese James, um, Mount. I mean, <laughs> Lukaku was a youth player at one time with Chelsea. <laughs> Uh, but these guys here, like they're they're the core of like the future basically, and they're all through the youth academy. Um, Pulisic actually at a time was youth academy with Chelsea, and then he got, you know, yeah. shipped out to Dortmund and all that. But um, I think with you know if you get the Everton job, he probably will do a good job with them developing young players. But again, it's like what we've said all all along. Santo, Joe, you both have said it. You have to give a manager time to you know implement his way of doing things. Mm-hmm. to implement his culture in the club more than just one season. Yeah. It should almost be like, clearly this is impossible. But it should almost be like a three-year minimum before you can fire the manager or something. Yeah. Unless he's like sleeping with like the boss's wife or something. <laughs> like yeah. three years and you should be able to stay because what can you do? It's like, it's like the prime minister here in Canada. What can you do in like three or four years? Like you need more time to implement your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with relegation and stuff, that would never happen. Correct. <laughs> the second Correct. you get yes. close to relegation, they'd be like, "Nope, you're out." No, I mean, circumstances apply, I guess. But yeah, you if you have this whole game plan and you're sitting in the boardroom and you're at the job interview and you say, "Hey, I've done the numbers. I've looked at your your squad. I think this, this, this. Obviously, not everything's going to work out, but this, this, and this. If we can hit these goals, and I see this happening in the next two to three years, and we'll be here at this level, you have to give the guy." a little bit of time to, to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Whether that be with signings, whether that be with different tactics in the game and different formations and whatever it is, you have to allow him the leash, the long leash, mm-hmm. to do what he wants to do. Yeah. And even if Rooney went there too, Rooney going back home to Everton, that would be crazy too. Yeah. 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 I, I probably lean more towards Rooney. Um, probably more so because I'd like to see it happen just for the romantic thing of seeing Rooney yeah. managing Everton. Uh, obviously, I know both Rooney and Lampard are being spoken to right now. Um, mm-hmm. My preference would definitely be on Rooney, I would say. I mean, right now, it looks like it's really uh, not leaning either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, tough to say at this point. But th- I think the reception of Everton or uh, Rooney at Everton would be <laughs> somewhat similar to Jared. Coming back to yeah. Liverpool, and then when then when they when they clash, oh, oh yeah, yeah. you imagine <laughs> that? Legendary. Imagine hypothetically in five seasons, Everton is sick and it's Rooney, and Liverpool is sick and it's Gerrard, <laughs> and then be, it's a it's a Merseyside derby. That'd be the best thing ever. <laughs> Woo! 
that would be crazy. That's that's must watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's possible, I don't see Liverpool slipping. I mean, Klopp could just get bored of winning and doing whatever he's doing and just move on. Yeah, I feel like though. I feel like with Klopp, he's gonna stay there as long as Pep stays here. <laughs> yeah, the first, first one, first one to leave. Is the yeah, like it could be like next year, and Pep's gone. Okay, Klopp's like, ah, I'm done too. Like my competitor is gone. Yeah. My nemesis is gone. I'm going to go wherever, he, wherever he's going. <laughs> they, both, they both go to Italy or something crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Klopp to Juve. Yeah. There you go. That wouldn't work. <laughs> Sounds gross just thinking about that. <laughs> Pep to Juve? Nah. I, no. I mean, I think nah. I, I heard Pep after... Um, after it'd, be, sorry, it'd, be, it'd be Pep to Spain, Klopp to Germany. Because uh, I've heard Pep like, say... Nationals. He does. He doesn't want to leave City anytime soon, um, which is interesting. It could be, you know, one of his longer managerial uh, stints at a club, staying at City for this long. Um, but I think he, I forget. I don't know if it's just rumors, but he does want to get his feet wet in international. So it'd be nuts. Mm-hmm. Spain, Germany, Klopin, Guardiola, World Cup twenty twenty six in Canada. Pep with Spain, Klopp with Germany. That's what's going to happen. We're going. Yeah, we're going. Oh, yeah. yeah, win those lottery tickets. <laughs> I think it, I think our <laughs> closest for some tickets. Yeah, I actually just watched a YouTube video. I forget who actually was the uh, which video it was. I'll actually try to find it real quick. It was, it was a, just a little video about um, where all the stadiums are going to be, mm. like where all the games are going to be held. And BMO Field in Toronto was by far like, the lowest capacity mm-hmm. yeah. um, stadium, I think. But still. I think it's BMO Field is like obviously four hours away, and I think Cincinnati is the next closest. Um, I think that's four or five hours as, as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the next closest to us. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'll travel. Like, I don't care. Like, I, oh, yeah. I'm at the point where it's like either to watch Italy play would obviously be huge. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll love that. Yeah. But um, I'll see any international world class talent. It's only driving four hours, and obviously the the fee mm-hmm. of of tickets, but I'll do it. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Uh, the video, sorry, the video was by CM Stadiums. It's FIFA World Cup 2026 final candidate stadium. So I think it's yeah, I think they, I think this guy puts out 15 stadiums, and I think they narrow it down to 12 or 10 or something between Canada, US, and Mexico for World Cup 2026. Uh, but I think it's a shoe in at least for BMO Field. Clearly, because it's like that's our biggest stadium for for mm-hmm. um, to host an international tournament like that. And then Cincinnati will be the next closest, if not that one, then definitely New York will have um will have games there. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be super cool. Definitely something that I want to see before. That's bucket uh, list stuff. What's that? That's bucket list. Oh yeah, seeing Italy I'll- live. I mean, I'll, I'll go see Senegal versus Australia. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I just want to go. Yeah. I just want to feel that that vibe, you know? Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. 2026. <laughs> yeah, countdown to 2026. <laughs> All right, we good, boys? We are good. Oh. Yep. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. Um, as always, you can find the video posted up on YouTube. You can search Footy Fans Podcast. And you guys can follow us on social at footyfans, P-H-A-N-S, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, that's about it. 
about it? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got okay. going. Yep. Hit that smash. That's how you said, Joe. Hit that. Hit that like button. <laughs> subscribe like button. and hit the bell for not- <laughs> notifications. All that. All that jazz. Like I said, it's 2022. If you don't know what to do by now, I don't know what you're doing. Hmm. Um, I want to thank everyone for watching, and as always, we will tune in next week after all the action. See everyone. See everyone. Ciao.